Yeah. So it's, it's a big reason why I want to talk to you. I think like, if you look at the average six year old and, and I'm a big supporter of, of health and that's what I do for, for my job and stuff as a coach, but, um, the average six year old isn't going roller skating tomorrow or roller skating today, skiing tomorrow and a, and a hiking trip. Um, that sounds like something a 20 year old would be doing on a weekend. So the average 60 year old's not doing that. <laughs> no, no wonder no. I never be- bump into anybody else my own age <laughs> when I'm out climbing mountains. Always seems to be these 25 year old girls that I'm bumping into. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I w- yeah. I would say even younger, that's not really the, the average thing to be doing. I, I'm just curious, I guess, where did this start for you? This healthy lifestyle has this been something you've been doing your whole life something you've picked up later on yeah you know i've always been into the outdoors uh i grew up in uh, sydney australia i begged my parents to let me join cubs when i was like eight years old cub scouts right and uh, i've just always had this uh wanderlust for travel and adventure and i probably got it from my from my dad my dad was in the Royal Navy during World War II on a minesweeper in the Mediterranean. And then after that, he was uh, he worked on the on the Queen Mary for five years, doing trips from Portsmouth to Halifax, your neck of the woods, oh, yeah. down New York, Miami, uh, and down to um, Havana and Caracas. I mean, we're talking the late 40s after the war. It was pretty crazy times. And I just grew up hearing all of his stories about all the crazy stuff he got up to in his life. And I guess I just, maybe it's in my DNA. Maybe it's just the stories, but I've always, always been getting outside and going on adventures, you know, ever since as long as I can remember. So maybe that's where it came from. That's awesome. That's beautiful. I imagine like, it must have been so cool to hear, to hear all those stories as a kid, like from your dad, you know, he's just traveling the world and doing all this cool stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. And uh, I, he used to fly back to England on business once a year, and he would take either myself or one of my brothers with him uh, and drop us off at our grandparents. And then he would take off on business and who, who knows what else he got up to. <laughs> <laughs> he used to go down to Spain every year and watch bullfights and he would smuggle swords and stuff in machines back to australia uh and lots of bottles of uh cheap spanish wine (laughs) (laughs) so there was always stories to be heard right and even when uh, i was uh, old enough to go legally to the pubs drinking with him you know um and we'd have a few too many together there was always never a, never a shortage of stories. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was kind of fueled by stories. And, and as a result, I have, uh, you know, intentionally gone out and created some of my own, I guess. Right. So yeah. Cool. That's very cool. So was it, you started going outside doing these things, being active at a young age? Yeah. I just, as early as I can remember, I was always off in the bush. You know, we don't call it forest. It's, it was the bush in Australia. I was always off in the bush building forts and building flying foxes. We'd run over like a rope, an old manila hemp rope between a couple of trees and have a pulley and oh, yeah. uh, 
swing across a creek and drop into you know a, a, a creek or a pond in the creek or something and just I just it was always off in the bush off on an adventure and you know now I do these bike packing trips with my three boys which is kind of funny I'm one of three boys and I got three boys and they're all in their 20s now and uh, occasionally they let me come with them on these adventures if not I just go on my own but we we go off on these bike packing trips now and you got all the panniers and all the gear and everything and I remember you know when I was like 10 and 12 I would take off with a mate of mine we'd just bungee a sleeping bag onto the handlebars we had these old 26 inch fixies you know and we didn't call it bike packing we didn't have a fancy name for it we were just going bush and we'd stuff a a tin of baked beans in you know a couple of tins of baked beans into the middle of the uh, (laughs) sleeping bag roll it up and that was it we didn't have anything else and that was that was bike packing in its earliest form i guess Yeah, go down the coast, light a fire on the beach, cook up some baked beans, eat it with a stick, and uh, just <laughs> yeah. just sleep on the beach, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's interesting how much like there's so much uh, gear now, right? Like you know, you oh, get yeah. like, so much camping gear, like it, little fire pits to connect to Wi-Fi and shit. Like <laughs> so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, now I got like I got the quad lock mount on my phone so I can have it on the handlebars so I know exactly where I am and using the GPS. And I think back to a lot of the traveling I've done around the world and the adventuring. I mean, most of it I never even owned a camera. I never had a map. You know, you just you just kind of you weren't in touch with anybody. You know, my parents wouldn't know where I was for like three or four months at a time. Uh, I'd take off for a year and maybe send a postcard every three or four months so they'd know where I'd been but never where I was going because I never knew where I was going either and you just you just kind of I don't know you met people and they're like hey you should check this place out so you'd go there you know and how would you get there I don't know you just ask people (laughs) it's just yeah it's just very different today Today, it's all organized and planned and mapped. And, you know, you've got your GPS and you're in touch with everybody and you're constantly connected. It's just, it's a very different world today. Sure. What do you think? I mean, I can just come out and say, which one do you think is better? I guess there's pros, there will be pros and cons to both. But what were the benefits at least to start from, from the other, the old way? that you can see i think you were much more reliant on your own ability to figure things out um you weren't uh, you didn't have all this information instantly at your fingertips the ability to connect with people the ability to you know get answers to questions so i think ultimately you were forced to be involved in a lot more dialogue with people and even in countries where you couldn't speak the language, you know, you'd figure it out, you'd smile, you rub your tummy, you laugh, you point, you you just figure out how to communicate with people. And um, I don't know, you just, there's a lot more, I think there was a lot more communication uh, mm. with people uh, than there is today. You know, it's it's crazy, right? These devices were created to enable communication but I don't think people are really communicating. The the you know the the whole Instagram you know pictures right. It's like 
because it's kind of not really communicated. No. So now it's all about, it seems to be a lot more about how we're perceived and how we look mm-hmm. and the image. And it's all like, it's just everything's marketing. Whereas yeah. uh, I think that when I think back to when I used to travel and, and I still travel, it's certainly different today. Um, it was a lot more honesty. Uh, it was a lot more real. It was a lot more, you weren't doing it to impress anybody. You were just being yourself. You were meeting the people where you, wherever you were. And it, it just seemed a lot more real, I guess, you know, real. Didn't, you didn't have Today, like a seems string to of Instagram of posts for like the six yeah. months you were gone. You didn't have like 10 posts a month. I was heli skiing uh, just before COVID with some buddies and we were up at Whistler and, uh, and there's a couple of other people on the group. Um, I won't say what part of the world they were from. Um, and we get up the top. This is after we've done an hour and a half of our avalanche training and everything else. We get up the top of the mountain, we get dropped off, you know, it's like a Huey, right? The helicopter takes off. We've got all our skis on. We put all our stuff on. And these two people are like photographing one another, getting us to take pictures of them, holding their skis. And we're like, let's go skiing, right? And the guide comes over. It's like, come on, get your skis on. We're going skiing. They don't even know how to put their skis on. All they wanted was some pictures with the helicopter at the top of the mountain with their skis. And we're like, are you kidding? And they've got to call the helicopter back that's already off to go pick up another crew. And now we're standing around for 20 minutes waiting for the helicopter to come back to pick these two people up and take them back down to the to the valley because all they were up there was to take a picture. It's like, are you kidding me? It's sad. That's really sad. Uh, you know, uh, $1,500 for a couple of photographs for Instagram. Yeah. I think uh, I think it becomes a little bit about like achievement, mm. right? Because there's like uh... no, it's not achievement. I don't. I disagree, Maddie. It's not about achievement. It's about it's just about basically look how good I am. Yeah. Look how well, awesome. It's all about trying to prop ourselves up and mm-hmm. give this image to the world, and that's why I use the word real. When you asked yeah. me about traveling today versus traveling, you know, back in the 80s or not even so much traveling, but just life in general. Today, it's all about, you know, selfies. It's all I guess, about. I guess what I meant by that was like perception of achievement or like it, Instagram is like a game where everyone's trying to check off certain things. Like I'll notice like in, in a group or like in a on Instagram, like let's say that people get that's a common thing now. Like if you type in skiing, hashtag skiing, there'll be like a bunch of people with like skis on top of a mountain with a helicopter. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the no joke. Like that's, but that's like the gamified thing that people are looking for. It's like, oh, I'm going to get that. And then that'll prop up my uh, position self, on the Instagram hierarchy. Right. It'll elevate my self-esteem if I get, you know, a couple yeah. of hundred likes on a picture of me standing next to a helicopter, even though I get, even though people who know me are like, uh, he can't even ski. <laughs> yeah. so it's just a kind of a fake world. The dopamine of, of the post is more important than the dopamine of actually skiing. You nailed it. You nailed it. 
Mm. That's to me, that's a problem. Yeah. Oh, it is a problem for sure. That's a fake world. Yeah. You know, I have a friend of mine who's was uh, looking at building the metaverse. He's a video gaming guy. And uh, he was talking about, he was describing, you know, a couple of different uh, games like Ready Player One, uh, movies, Ready Player One and stuff like this. And he's talking about this, this virtual reality world that he's creating in the metaverse and da, 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 da. And I, I, I was kind of listening in, trying to visualize it. He told me a couple of movies to watch. I watched them and, and I just don't get it, right? Because yeah. I said to him, I said, well, when people get done with your metaverse, get them to give me a call so I can take them out for a hike. <laughs> let's yeah. get, let's just go out into the forest. <laughs> let's get out into the real world, right? Yeah. Work up a sweat, <laughs> climb yeah. a mountain, go skiing, smell the fresh air <laughs> instead of sitting in your parents' basement in this metaverse i don't know i mean i'm not there yet but uh anyway i'm not trying to trash talk anything i for me it's just about what's real and uh you can go out and do stuff um and nobody needs to know yeah um i'm sure you're familiar with uh with andrew tate as the as the whole world is um and uh I'm but sorry, anyway. I don't I don't know who Andrew Tate is. Okay, he's just this guy, it doesn't matter. But uh what the, oh he's like controversial guy, but whatever, it doesn't matter. But uh something like one thing he said I heard the other day uh was was talking about video games, and this really like stuck with me because I think there's a lot of truth in it. it. Was like people get addicted to video games, especially men. Um, it's like a big thing. And like, what do you do in a video game? You like have a character, you level it up. You get better stuff. You go on adventure. Uh, you become the best version of you you can be. You get all the best stuff, and it's like you're you're living out this adventurous life, and it's like you, you're just doing it there because you're not doing it in real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I just call bullshit, right? Yeah. It's it's. Uh, I just say get off the couch mm. and get outside and do the real thing. <clears throat> Because there's there's no risk. There's no you can die over and over again in the game or whatever. There's like there's no risk. But if there's no risk, there's no reward. Yeah. yeah you know, I at the I end of the day back, you just turn it off and it's just you're still where you're at. <laughs> well, yeah, the dopamine fades pretty quickly. So you get yeah. a hit. It's like getting a sugar rush, right? Mm-hmm. But then it fades. It's like yeah. drugs. It's yeah. like getting a hit and then it yeah. fades. I mean one of the things that uh, I have found is, is that, you know, when I did and continue to do a lot of the stuff that I do, uh, they're real memories, yeah. you know, whether it's yeah. standing on top of the pyramids or living in a Buddhist monastery in Northeastern Thailand or getting shot at by a bloody Russian gunship in Czechoslovakia in 1984. Like these are real memories. They weren't in a computer game. Yeah. they're real yeah and i've got lots of scars on my body from different things and you know broken bones from but you heal and uh i don't know if they're uh but they're just they're actually they're awesome because they remind you of the crazy stuff you were doing when you got hurt and and yeah there's risk associated with lots of things that you do in your life um 
but a lot of it is is really managing fear and learning how to overcome fear and take risks and i always go back to when we were babies like there was you didn't watch a youtube video to learn how to walk <laughs> yeah you didn't listen to a podcast to learn how to walk yeah you didn't put on your a you know your vr goggles to learn how to walk you mm -hmm. what did you do you freaking got up you took a step, you fell over, maybe you smacked your chin on the coffee table or you hit your head on the floor or whatever, and you got up and you did it again. And your parents were encouraging you. And you kept doing it until you could walk. And once you could walk, you were learning how to run. <laughs> and there's plenty of times you tripped up and face planted and slid into the, <laughs> the, the kitchen counter or whatever, right? But you just got up and you went again. And, and next thing you know, you're learning how to ride a bicycle. And, you know, you had training wheels on before they had these awesome run bikes. And, you know, you had to take the training wheels off. Well, what happened when you took the training wheels, wheels off? You fell over. You skinned your knee. You skinned your hands. You maybe even smacked your head on the ground. Right. But you got up and you did it again. And you yeah. just... Fear is something that, you know, if people are scared of doing stuff and that's why they do it in the video world, mm. I would say, uh, yeah, there may be a, maybe they can be something that they can't be in real life. Mm. But that's just a self-limiting belief. Yeah. They've, they've created this story in their own heads about the, what they can and cannot do. Yeah. Yeah. And really, they can do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. But it's just whatever they tell. It's the story they've got going on in their own head mm -hmm. about what they can and cannot do. And I just, you know, I spend a lot of my time encouraging people to get off the couch yeah. and get out there and adopt the same uh, concept around risk taking that they had when they were a baby, mm. when they weren't afraid of anything. And they would just do it. Even as a young kid, young kids are usually <laughs> scared of much. They're not scared of anything because no. the world has not imposed the concept of fear on them yet. Yeah. It's 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 something that gets imposed on us yeah. by society. Oh, don't do that, Johnny. You might get hurt. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't get up on there. You might get hurt. Oh, don't do that. It's like, don't do It's the whole time, right? And then in school, you're getting told about what you can and cannot be, you know, counseling to figure out what job you're going to be in. It's like, mm -hmm. how about going back to when you were eight and you wanted to be a fireman or you wanted to be an astronaut or you wanted to be a pilot or whatever? You, like, what did you want to be when you grow up? And so we get all of these societal things thrown at us and we're told by marketing companies what we should eat and what we should do and and it's just it's all manipulative yeah it's not about what we want to really do and so we're continually being conditioned by society and i you know the video game and it's just a part of that you know you know what's interesting too um just bringing it back to the point you were saying about like when you were traveling at that time when you were younger how you like the way you're describing it and the way I think about it is like, you were just present. You were following your intuition and you were actually just 
in your life, making connections with other people. Yeah. I think like everything you just said there about like marketing, conditioning, society, all that stuff, like that's taking us away from that. And that's where all the power is. Mm-hmm. It's like the consciousness, our intuition, what we actually want to do, the, the love and not the fear, everything that like excites us. Right. But then we just get so conditioned. I think a lot of it is like subconscious. It's like, we just kind of fall into this mold. There's video games in front of us, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Some people don't even realize that they're so far away from some people do, some people don't, but I think, I you think know, a good I, amount I, of subconscious. I, yeah. I think a lot of it is uh, this FOMO thing, right? Uh, mm. Like we see what other people are doing. And we think, oh, well, we've got to be doing that too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, the whole keep up with the Joneses type yeah. thing, right? Where yeah. it's like, you see other people doing stuff and it's like, oh, you got to do that too. And so there's a lot of following. Yeah. And, 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 you know, what you talk about in terms of whether it's media, whether it's social media, uh, it's, it's this whole story around the life that we're supposed to live. Yeah, you know, grow up. Don't get hurt. Don't take risks. Be a good kid. Get a good education. Find get a, good a job. girl. Two point five. Get, get a job. Get married. Buy a house. Have kids. Like, let's be honest. It's a conspiracy to fit us into this mold mm-hmm. uh, that is very prevalent in North America and Europe, but isn't quite the same in other areas of the world where there's just a different focus, I think, in a lot of cases. And um, so we're, we're sort of, it's like this programming. We're sort of getting pre-programmed to yeah. live a certain life. Um, yeah. But is it really the life that we want to live? Or is it the life that somebody else is telling us we need to live? And so, you know, when you want to go traveling, when you finish high school, well, no, no, you just graduated for university. You're going to go to university now. It's like, yeah, I don't even know what I want to do at university. Well, let's just do an art degree or just do a psychology degree or just do a, I just actually, I want to go traveling to Europe. No, 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 you can't do that. You you know, you got to go to school, right? You got to get your education so you can get a good job. You can get into the system, right? One of the things I love about what's happening today, especially the millennials, I think have figured it out. You're a millennial is, uh, hang on. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't want somebody else to define what the rest of my life looks like. Yeah. I want to do what I want to do. If I want to work from home and, you know, do a podcast, I want to work from home and do a podcast. I don't want to fit into the mold of just because that's what my parents did. And that's what my parents were told to do by their parents. Like, I think now that people are starting to starting to wake up, but I still come back to the fact uh, there's a lot of this societal pressure on people Mm -hmm. to live a certain way. And I go back to the whole insty thing, right? Like, you know, there's just all this image around who we are as a person and what the life we're supposed to live. And we're trying to, 
one up other people and we're trying to appear to be better and and i say screw all of that just go have fun get outside go for a walk in the forest Mm -hmm. smell the smell the pine needles you know if you want to figure out what life's all about go climb a mountain on your own physical adversity yeah it's a good way to find yourself not in some make-believe world that you're creating or someone else has created for you yeah i think there's climbing a mountain by yourself i think there really is something to like like you said finding yourself to removing yourself from all the bullshit getting back into our natural environment but you know like going back to again what you said about traveling and you're following your intuition your presence you're just living in the moment if you can get back to that and find yourself see yourself whatever you want to call it like i think you would i'm talking generally i think people would have a different perspective on their life and what they're doing with their life. Yeah. I think they also would build more confidence in themselves. Mm. And, you know, when I say climb a mountain, I mean, I'm not talking go climb Everest or something. I'm talking like... Solo uh, Everest. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, you know, you don't need to go in the death zone. The, the, the stats are not very good on, on, on surviving that trip. Uh, no, I mean, like, just get outside just and have some quality time with yourself and your own thoughts and um i i had this i was very fortunate i had this experience when i was in uh, i was 22 i was i went off to europe on my first big trip and uh i met this guy uh when i was skiing in in in, in france in chamonix and uh, he invited me to come back up to paris to visit with him which i did and hung out with him for three or four days. He was a professor at a university. It kind of reminds me of that scene in um, Tomb Raiders, the very first one where uh, he's the professor and he's, he's teaching to this group of girls at the front, all looking up at him like this. And one of them's got like, love you on his, anyway, it was a bit like that. I went to his university lecture and he was teaching like modern history or something. I was 22. This guy's like 32. He's a professor and he's got all of his beautiful uh, young girls up the front in the lecture hall, just like drooling. You know, it was just, it was pretty funny actually. Um, And uh, just reminded me of that scene um, with Harrison Ford in it. Anyway, we, we was January. It was freaking cold. It was like minus 15 or something. And he wants to uh, go out to Versailles, which is this huge, beautiful palace just on the outskirts of Paris. And I had been there in the summer uh, and walked around and done the tour of the palace and everything. And I'm like, I've already been there. He's like, no, no, it's just, it's, it's a really awesome spot. It's really quiet. We can just go for a walk in the forest, right? So begrudgingly, I'm like, ah, yeah, okay, whatever. So we drive out there and, uh, we're walking around everything's frozen the lakes are frozen there's no leaves on the trees it's pretty much just everything's dead right and uh he 
he sort of realized in me that I, I, I'd already spent that six months traveling all around Western Europe, going to cathedrals and museums and, you know, just all the tourist sites. And I was a little, felt like I'd seen everything. <laughs> He's like, man, you need help. Just come over here, sit on this bench for a minute, right? We scrape the snow off this bench and we sit there. It's freaking cold. He says, I want you to close your eyes and listen and tell me what you can hear. So I sit there and I'm like, I was, I don't know, it's been a pretty bad frame of mind. I'm like, I don't hear anything. He's like, try a little harder. <laughs> I just want no sound you to all. listen. <laughs> tell me what you can hear. And so for about 10 minutes, I'm, I, I listen and I start listening really hard. And I can hear in the distance, the city, the hum of the city. And if you've ever been to Paris, you hear the blaring of horns, car horns. They're always eh, eh, on their horn. So you can hear that kind of in the distance, right? And then I could hear some people walking down the path a ways away and the creaking of the ice and the snow under their feet. And then I hear uh, like a chipmunk or something scurrying around in the tree behind me. And the slightest rustle of some of the dead leaves above me and anyway, I just like, I started to get in touch with what was going on around me. And I was hearing all these noises that I wasn't really in tune with prior to that. And then he's like, okay, now I want you to tell me what you can smell. I still got my eyes closed. And I'm like, you know, sniffing, right? <clears throat> and then... I get, oh, I can kind of smell like the frost, like the snow, like the ice. And then I could smell like decaying leaves. And, you know, and I'm really trying hard to like, and now I could smell like almost the, the scent of some of the pine needles that were on some of the pine trees. And then he's like, okay, now I want you to touch, like just use your hands. And I'm like feeling the bench. It's cold, it's wood, the grain, and then like the snow and the ice. And he put some leaves in my hands and I'm like, I'm just feeling, and he's telling me to describe the feeling. And then he's like, okay, now I want you to taste, you know, so I'm tasting the snow. Anyway, he, uh, he transformed me because over a period of about a half an hour, he, uh, he got me to get in touch with my senses. And he said to me, when you open your eyes, I want you to open your eyes like you're opening your eyes for the very first time in your life. And when you look around you, I want you to appreciate the beauty of everything around you. Now, this is January. Everything's frozen. Everything's dead. Everything's covered in snow and ice, right? But when I opened my eyes, I had a new appreciation, not only for what was in front of me, but the world. And so to this day, I look out my window now and I see snow. I see a massive Douglas fir tree that's about 
80 feet high in my backyard. It's like, I've never looked at anything again the same. And I have this appreciation for the natural and the man-made wonders around me. And every day when I get up, I open my eyes, I look out the window and I don't just open the blinds. I actually stop and I look outside and I can see the North Shore Mountains on a clear day or I can see the houses across the street or the trees or the flowers or the snow as it is now. And this guy uh, allowed me to see the world from a very, very different perspective from that moment on when I was 22. That was a really incredible experience. So I've never lost that. And so that's one of the things that I really love and appreciate about the world that we live in is it's just so beautiful and people and even like man-made stuff. And so I think that uh, sometimes we just, for me now, it's, 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 it's about taking the, the little things, not taking anything for granted and just really appreciating the beauty and everything around us and seeing everything like you're seeing it for the first time. And I go back to that uh, example of learning how to walk and learning how to ride a bike without training wheels. What, what I try and challenge myself to do and, and other people that, that I know is really to take the same sense of risk-taking when they were a baby and apply that to their lives today. And instead of telling yourself what you can't do, just, you know, Yoda, right? He says to Luke Skywalker, don't try, do. Like, yeah. just do it, right? Just mm. take the, get out from behind the computer and get out there. Uh, coach said to me one time, I'll never forget it. Just simply, what would you do without the fear? Yeah. If you had no fear, what would you do right now, today? What would you do with your life if you had no fear? Just magic wand, golden ticket. What would you do yeah. with your life if there was no fear? And people talk about money being a barrier to doing things. I call bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing, it doesn't cost anything to change the way you think. It doesn't cost anything to challenge yourself to go out and get off the couch and, you know, go outside. And, and we, when we were designed, we weren't designed to be sitting in front of computers at a desk, driving cars around, right? We, our bodies, homo sapiens were designed a long time ago. And there was none mm. of this stuff around. Yeah. We were walking around in bare feet <laughs> yeah. 365 days of the year, you know, like we've gotten very comfortable. Yeah. And sometimes it's good to get uncomfortable. And that's where we learn about ourselves. That's where we learn who we really are and what we're capable of doing. Yeah. And that's, that's that overcoming your fear and taking risks. That's beautiful that that guy was able to do that for you. And he did that yeah. for you. Guess we, you know, we had a lot of fun too. Hit all the bars in Paris and <laughs> met up with a bunch of his students. 
fun times anyway <laughs> well i think that brings us to the questions i wanted to ask and um the only set questions i have on this podcast and i will have going forward and it's the first one's money just how do you how do you view money you mentioned it there well of course you know you can never have too much of the stuff but uh i think that uh money can be a crutch uh in the sense that we think we can't do this or we can't do that because we don't have enough money. And and I, again, I call bullshit on that. I mean, we can do whatever the heck we want to do. Um, sure. You've got to have your basic needs covered, you know, a roof over your head, food on the table. Um, but look at the other 50% of the world that doesn't know where their next meal is coming from and, you know, doesn't necessarily have a roof over their head. So there's a lot of uh, first world problems in North America and Europe, yeah. yeah, you know, and uh, and are people happy when they have money? It seems to me like uh, we can never have enough. We always want more. Yeah, um, and uh, I think money is attached to greed. Yeah. It's also another measurement of success, unfortunately people use money as a measure of success. And I don't know if you've ever heard that story about this guy, uh, this American guy down in, uh, he had to be American. <laughs> Could have been Canadian. I don't know. Let's just say he's down in Puerto Vallarta in, in Mexico. Right. And he walks up to this guy, you know, local guy leaning up against the boat. And uh, he's like, yeah, do you do tours? He's like, yeah, yeah. Do you want to go out snorkeling out to Los Arcos? And, He's like, no, no, I, I just went uh, yesterday, but uh, you know, I was just, I was, I was thinking, uh, if you, if you, uh, if you got another boat, like you could have somebody else in that boat, and they could take people out, and you could make some more money, and then, then you wouldn't have to work so hard. And he's like, well, why would I do that? And then the guy continues on, and it's like, yeah, you could probably get some financing from the bank and get like half a dozen boats and have half a dozen operators working for you and just imagine you know how your business would be you could build this business and the guy's like well why would i want to do that he's like oh well, so you could like live this awesome life right and and then you know you could get an extra half a dozen boats right you could have the whole fleet you could have all of these guys down the beach working for you and you could have this awesome life where you know you can kick back and make all this money and the guy's like why would i do that and it just keeps going on right and then he's like, yeah. And then, you know, when you get all of this money and you've got all these houses, you know, this rental income, in, then you could like, you could just chill on the beach and do nothing. And the guy's like, well, that's what I'm doing. Look where I'm standing. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm yeah. standing here chilling. Yeah. Next to my boat. <laughs> do yeah. you want to go snorkeling? <laughs> it's just like sometimes there's this perception that you've got to have money and you've got to have, you know, and, and, and the amount of money you have is, is, is a determination or a measure of your success. And so I think it really comes down to the individual. What do you like doing? What are you passionate about? And if you can do what you're passionate about, if you do what, if you can do what you love doing and you figure out a way to put a roof over your head and put food on the table, 
that's success. Yeah. The money, money can be evil. People do things for money. Money can corrupt people. Um, it's, it's, it's something that, as I go back to my first point, is people want more of it. There's this perception that, oh, when I get this, then I'll be happy. Or when I get that, then I'll be happy. When I get my new car or I get my new house or I get my new apartment or I get a new girlfriend or I get some new clothes or I get a new, it's just like. Or you could be happy right now. You're getting right. drawn in, you're getting suckered into the whole marketing machine. Yeah. That someone's telling you that's what it means to be happy. That's what it means to be successful. So, so I just think money, uh, uh, you know, again, I go back to, before there was money yeah people were happy just being themselves yeah so yeah <laughs> that's my thoughts around money not to go on a tangent about this but it's just so interesting you know like studying all this health stuff and and uh you know in that space right now there's so much uh, information coming out about like you know even the dopamine of like being outside seeing like a greenery like what that does to your brain how being outside like um automatically like brings your stress down calms you down like the dopamine of like catching a fish um grounding yourself how that's like actually like and that's actually like scientific like if you are standing on the ground and actually well, like take your shoes and socks off stand on the earth Mm. and because we're positively charged by all the leds and all the emfs and everything that's going on around us take your shoes and socks off and just stand on the grass and you will draw all of the protons out of your body and the electrons into your body and you'll neutralize the because we're all positively charged by all the emf and everything going on around us yeah. and uh yeah you just I had a speaker a few years ago who had us all go outside at lunchtime in the middle of the day. And we all took our shoes and socks off and just stood on the grass for 10 minutes. And it was amazing. Just like 10 minutes later, you just like, you had this peace and calm and, and, and just, you felt, you just felt balanced. It was really cool. It was a cool experience. So yeah, just standing there outside, you know, with your bare feet on the ground. I find it so interesting now that it's becoming such a big thing. Like this health and wellness is like a big kind of, it's popular, you know, and um, I think it's growing. Everything they're saying is like what we were doing before. Exactly. And, and everybody's chasing like this because I think it's happy when really it's like all this stuff is right here and it's free. And that's the stuff that it, makes you feel good. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go back to the whole, you know, if you had to choose between playing a video game for an hour or going for a walk around the park, taking your dog for a walk or whatever. Just again, it doesn't have to, it doesn't cost you money, right? It's free to go for a walk, to stand outside, to just like stand there and just look around you and like, just soak up the moment. You, you know, you picked up on that word present, just mm -hmm. be present. Yeah. Be happy with what you have around you. That's that's the key to success, to health. And, you know, you, just like uh, sort of 
this pursuit as people are discovering how important it is to get back to basics. And, and you know, the same thing's happening with food. The same thing's happening yeah. with, with yeah. our whole life, right? Like um, I, I had someone say to me a couple of years ago, when you walk into the supermarket, don't go down the aisles. Just walk around the perimeter. Yeah. And, you know, you turn right, and you've got all the fruit and veggies, you know, and you just, you know, you work your way around the outside, right? Because yep. <laughs> everything in the middle is processed food. Yeah. Just, just get the stuff that's real food. They yep. use the word real again, right? Get yep. the real food around the outside and then leave. Don't get yep. any of the frozen stuff. Don't get anything in a box. Don't get anything that's man-made. Just get all the natural, healthy, clean products around the outside and then leave. How revolutionary is that? <laughs> yeah. Stop eating the shit that's going to kill you and yeah. give you cancer and everything else, right? <laughs> Just yeah. eat healthy. That's, yeah. that's getting back to the basics, right? It's just going back to the way, you know, before the big food companies and the Monsantos of the world started to, you know, manufacture processed food in the, like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And, you know, just while I'm on that, I mean, I, I think that it's all, if you look at big food, big pharma and oil and gas, it's all designed to pretty much get us sick mm -hmm. and keep us sick. Nobody's talking about curing anything. It's just, it's all, it's all about, you know, look at, you only got to look at the U S because they're a prime example of what's going on in the world with, with the high rate of uh, diabetics, the high rate of, you know, cancer, the high rate of heart disease, obesity. I mean, look, it's pretty, I just, it's, pretty damn it's close line... here in Canada too. It's pretty, pretty close to the same numbers. Yeah, it, it's North America. Mm -hmm. It's it's a North American problem. Um, I just got back from Europe this summer, and you know, you, the cows are wandering around in the fields. They're not in a freaking feedlot in a barn. The chickens are running around you know, on the ground, they're not stuffed in little racks, you know, 10 high with lights going on and off 24 seven. So they lay three eggs a day instead of only one. It's just, we've turned food into a machine. Yeah. And it's not healthy. And uh, the Europeans have done a really good job of um, preventing a lot of that from happening. And, uh, and that's why they they live a lot longer. So what countries would that be in and what is their population like, like that you've seen farming like that? Yeah. You've only got to go to Europe and travel around uh, Italy and Spain and mm. France and Portugal. And well, certainly uh, Southern Europe. Um, I don't know if you go to Italy and order a pizza and what's on the I've pizza. Heard, I've heard this just, Tomato sauce, some cheese, some mozzarella cheese, slices of mozzarella cheese, and some big basil leaves. And that'll be the most amazing pizza you have in your life. And here in North America, well, first of all, the pastry in Italy is made from like sourdough 
Yeah, so it's uh, good for your which stomach. Which is fermented wheat, bacteria. right? It's not white processed. It's it might look white, but it's made from sourdough. The 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 pastry, the cheese, like the 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 pizza base, is amazing. The tomato sauce, it's the the tomatoes are just like oh, I don't know what it is. Italian tomatoes, they're just. And then the, the mozzarella cheese and the basil leaves that are the size of, you know, like big spinach leaves and some olive oil drizzled on top, maybe some balsamic or whatever. It's just, it's magical. Like it's simple. Yeah. Here you get a, go to a, you get pizza. It's got like five different types of meats on it. And it's just like, you know, it Take like sausage, pepperoni. Yeah. It's just like, a, you you know, pineapple, like uh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I just, yeah, I think uh, health, f- food, food's a key to, you know, you know I, I mean, I started off saying I just had my 60th birthday and I've got another 60 years to live. I'm pretty committed to that. Um, but we are what we eat. What yeah. we put into our bodies is what yeah. we become. And, yeah. uh, you know, you look at the rate of cancer heart disease diabetes i mean it's directly linked to what we put into our bodies yeah and so if we're careful about what we eat and we eat clean then i mean i'm not saying that you may not get one of those things you certainly won't get diabetes because you know this is sugar related Mm -hmm. and you know we eat a lot of carbs which metabolizes into sugar Mm-hmm. it's just it's a cycle right yeah and so eating clean eating healthy regular exercise all the stuff that we've been hearing about for years right yeah it's not a secret no eat less eat clean get exercise walk if you can't do anything else hit the gym do weight resistant training do some high intensity interval training like none of this stuff costs any money yeah you can have a couple of dumbbells. You can do a lot with a couple of dumbbells. You don't need, you know, to spend two grand on a full Olympic gym set. You don't need to spend a hundred bucks a month to have a gym membership. That's that's more marketing too. That's the crazy <laughs> thing. You could you could absolutely exhaust yourself doing a a bodyweight workout. You isometrics. My dad, when he was a when he was a kid, there was a guy by the name of Charles Atlas. He was the strongest man in the world and it was all isometrics. It's all Mm. using your own body, push, pull, all kinds of exercises. My dad was ripped and he never picked up weights in his life. Mm -hmm. Just healthy living and isometric exercises and basic things in your routine. I get up every morning. I do like 10 minutes of yoga and five minutes of stretches some flexibility, mobility exercises. I do my three uh, strength training workouts a week. Um, I, I was downtown on Wednesday night at this networking event. First one I've been to, you know, since beginning of 2020. And I'm standing there looking out the window up. I'm in Vancouver, right? I'm looking up at Grouse Mountain. I see the lights up on Grouse and on Seymour and on Cyprus. And we've had fresh snowfall on tuesday and i'm like oh man i gotta i gotta get up there tonight 
so I, I get out of there. I call my boys. Hey, you want to come for a snowshoe or a hike in the snow tonight? They, you know, they're all busy doing other stuff. So I just grab my headlamp. I come home. I grab my snowshoes and my grippers and throw my snow boots on and grab a grab a jacket and head up into the mountains. And I went hiking around. I did like a 10K hike up in the mountains on my own. It was nobody around. It was so cool. Just, but it was peaceful. Yeah. All I could hear was the crunching of the snow. There wasn't enough snow to wear my snowshoes, but uh, I left them in the car. But yeah, again, that doesn't cost anything, right? You just get out for a walk in the snow on your own. You know what's interesting too about about time that people often say like time passes fast. I can't slow the time down. Um, reading this, uh, it just goes back to being present. I read this book on meditation. I forget how they phrased it, but it was something like when you're like say, and this is just like common sense, but when you think about it, it's like when you're watching Netflix or you're just going about the routine you do every day, you're just <clears> filling <throat> yourself with or playing video games, whatever it is. Um, it can be anything really when your mind is turned off, when you're in that state, you're not present. Like, did you ever notice like time goes by fast when you're watching like 15 episodes of Netflix? But then if you go outside for 10 minutes in that situation that you just said, it's like all your senses are turned on and it's peaceful. You'll remember that for the rest of your life. So I think that's interesting with like time. It's like time is going fast because you're not present. Yeah, time slows down. Absolutely. When you uh, are in a different environment. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I mean, binge watching is, uh, thankfully, it's not something I've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. um, I watch a couple of movies, generally documentaries on Netflix. And uh, there's other members of my family that will watch episode after episode after episode on the same night. I guess binge watching is what that's called. <laughs> it's like yeah. having the discipline to... Yeah, you know, I might watch one episode and then like, yeah, I'm good, you know? Yeah. Go do something else. Go work on my book. Go go take the dog for a walk around the block. Like, yeah, it's you can fall into the trap. But I agree with you. When you uh <clears throat> I think it's I go back to when I when I was traveling, I was on the road for seven years from the age of twenty two, just traveling around the world, mostly wow. on my own. Um the best example of what you're talking about would be I would go down to the pub every Friday night with my mates from when I was basically when I finished high school. We would always meet at the same pub every Friday night. And then I I found the, 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 the joy of travel when I was 22. And I went off, I did a 12-month trip around Europe. Um, all over Europe, every country in Europe, into the Eastern Bloc, down into Israel and North Africa. And it was a pretty crazy trip. I think I went to about 25 countries that first year. And I got home <clears throat> and caught up with my mates the next Friday night. And I get in there and I'm thinking they're going to be asking all about my trip and where have I been and like, holy crap, like where where you been the last year, right? not interested i had all these stories i wanted to share all this crazy stuff i'd done places i've been people i'd met things i'd 
seen and done. And we're sitting there talking about a pool party that we had when we were 16. We were reminiscing about that. And the next thing you know, we're reminiscing about our first trip we did down to the Snowy Mountains when I was 18. And how, you know, they got me drunk and all this sort of stuff. We're just having this great old time. We spent the whole night talking about shit we'd done, you know, like four years before or six years before or eight years before or when we're in school or you remember this experience with this teacher. And and I'm sitting there going, I, I reflected on it afterwards, like, you know, over the weekend. And I realized that they're just living in the past. Yeah. And, and I had left, traveled around 25 countries in Europe, skied for a few months in, in, in France in, and, and throughout Europe with my brother. He had a Volkswagen camper van. And for them, time had basically a year had gone by and they're just going to work. Going Nothing to the pub changed. every Friday night. Going to work. Going to the pub every Friday night. And I had filled up my brain with a lifetime of experiences and places and people I'd met in a year. And it's like I got parachuted back to where I was a year before. And yeah. in the, the lives of my friends, nothing had changed. And we're still talking about shit we did before and then four months later i went back to europe again and traveled around europe for another six months and when i came back friday night beers it was the same thing we're talking about shit we and i'm like i just didn't get it and so yeah if you think about it from that perspective Time for me went very, very slow because their year just went like that. And that's that's one of the things I love about traveling and seeing the yeah. world. And and when you when you're when you're out doing other stuff where you uh you you use the word present and you're doing something, you're creating these memories. Yeah that's real the real people real conversations about things that matter in the world about yeah. other cultures about other people and their families and their lives and what's going on in their country and learning about their culture and history and like that's that stuff's the important stuff versus sitting around talking about what we did yesterday yeah <laughs> it's just i uh i talked to a guy one time he's like he's a life coach from from the uk did a podcast with him he has david raman he's a book called let it go and one of his points in his book was about it was kind of similar to this it was like he put it like i think it was like doing new things like Time goes by fast when you're just doing the same things. It's like what we're talking about, but like, even like, I'm just relating this to my life right now. I'm getting into painting. There's like painting and, and behind me here. And um, it's something new and it's like, 
while I'm doing it, I'm completely focused on it because it's something brand new and it's an adventure and I'm like creating something, you know? And it's like, we just get so locked because that's, and if you look at like evolutionary, like there was never, I always think about this. I always thought about this walking outside. I've been doing hikes every day for like a long time. And the environment outside is never the same. Even just like the, you know, the changing the seasons, the way the sky looks, the wind, everything is never the same. But we're in, we put ourselves in the environment with, for like with work and all this shit and like <clears throat> our routines where everything's the same every day. And I don't think it's natural at all. What you described with painting is is what I call the state of flow. Yeah. And it's a form of meditation. Mm. It's it's a opportunity for you to slow down mm. and just be at peace and to be so focused on what you're doing. Um, I love that movie, uh, Tom Cruise, Days of Thunder. It's the NASCAR racing one. Oh, yeah. Where he's... He's just going around doing the laps and, and his, his focus is like, it gets so, so focused. It's like a, like a channel, right? It's like when you're painting, mm -hmm. you're just, you're so focused on what you're doing and you get into that state of flow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's like meditation. Um, but what, what happens is you block out everything else because mm -hmm. you're so focused on what you're doing. It's pretty cool. And, and there's different forms of, of that too. I mean, it can be active meditation, yeah. which is like when I used to race rally cars and motocross and stuff, or even racing downhill mountain bikes or skiing, like you just get in the zone, you get in the state of flow. You're so focused on what you're doing. There's no mm -hmm. distractions around you. And I think that that's why people paint and people write and fish and do other things like that is they, they're able to just get in that state and yeah, time slows down while you're doing that. hundred percent. Um, I don't want to keep you all day. I got two more questions. What, what do you think happens when you die? Well, there's the uh, Christian belief uh, as a as a born again Christian, after having experimented and experienced most of the world religions as I traveled around the world, I ended up coming back to Christianity based on what I had witnessed and seen when I was in Jerusalem and and in Israel. And so there's no denying that Jesus existed. Uh, just like a lot of the other prophets and um, and and people in the world, um, so I think that you know there's that part of the belief, right? In, in terms of what I was brought up with and what what you read about in the Bible, and that we we ascend to heaven if we're good, and we go to hell if we're bad. Um, you know, there's uh, there's our soul. What happens to our soul? Where does that go? Uh, and then there's a, a book I read recently. Uh, by Yuval called Homo Deus, um, which is man God, where he he basically proves in his mind that there is no such thing as a soul. And you know, if we get put in a box in the ground, we just rot. And if we get cremated, we just 
They just burn up. Um, so I guess I'm, I would have to say I'm a little torn at the moment. Um, but it's a great book because he talks about how religion came about and how uh, it's necessary. Um, and it helps us. It gives us a way of understanding the world. Um, so it really does. Yeah. What happens to us when we die? I think we die. I think we're dead. I think we are no more. Um, and I guess uh, I'm going to have to wait and find out if anything else happens. It's comforting to know that um, when I lost my mum this year and I lost my dad like 10 years ago, uh, chances are my dad didn't go to heaven because he was a self-confessed atheist. He always figured he he didn't like cold places anyway so <laughs> but my mom if she went anywhere she's up in heaven looking down on me right now and you know chances are my dad's up there laying bricks because that's what he used to do he'd be building a house with a patio and a view and hopefully they're together um you know it's it's a good it brings a smile to me to my face when I think about the fact that, yeah, my parents are up there looking down on me and, uh, and heaven is a great concept. Um, you know, I've got a friend of mine who died clinically dead on the bed, went to the light. And then I don't know, they bolted, jolted him back to life and I guess he wasn't ready to die yet. And I've met, several other people since who have had these death experiences have been to the other side and come back because they weren't ready yet you know or god wasn't done with them so there's a it's a really good question i think uh i think we're gonna all find out uh when we die you know what's what's going on so up until then it's just supposition we don't really know yes that's a good answer yeah um but you know it's good because it keeps us guessing right yeah and it and i do think that while we're alive we should do as much as we can mm. see as much as we can do as much as we can yeah. because our life is really all about creating memories yeah because um when i was doing my queen scout award in australia i interviewed a bunch of seniors and one of the questions I asked them was, what was your fondest, what's your fondest memory? And their fondest memory across the 50 of them that I interviewed between the age of 65 and 104 was uh, a family, a significant family event or time spent with family and friends. You know, whether it was a anniversary or a birthday party or a wedding or even a wake, whatever it was, it was a significant event a family event, a fun time. That was their fondest memories. Nobody ever talked about how much money they had. Nobody ever talked about their job or a promotion or the company they worked for or the business they owned. None of them talked about that. They all talked about a significant event with family, laughter, fun, happy times. That was their fondest memory consistently across everybody and so this thing around memories 
And I, I think that we have responsibility to ourselves to fill our heads up with memories, positive memories. And sometimes the negative memories are good because that, you know, helps us not to do those things again or do them differently and learn from our mistakes. So I think that that is also something that we have a responsibility to ourselves is to just create those memories. And, and like that story I shared about when I was traveling, time slows down. You know, I create all those memories in a short period of time while other people were just doing the same thing every day. Yeah. So I think memories, I, I'm planning this trip to France in January with my entire family from Australia and Canada. And it's a 30 year reunion from when I was there with both of my brothers and their partners and my parents. And so now we're doing a trip with all of our kids and my nieces and nephews and boyfriends and girlfriends and my brothers and their partners. And, and it's a week living together in this chalet in Chamonix, France. It's about creating memories. It's about the cousins getting to hang out with one another and go skiing together and make pizzas together and create these memories. And my hope is, is that they will want to go back or they'll want to create more memories like that going forward. So I just think that's, that's why we're here to build memories with people that we're, that are special to us. It's like the things that are actually important were the things that people talked about at the end of their life. Yeah. All the shallow stuff was, you can forget about it. Yeah. They weren't talking about the hot rod they had or the car they had, or they, they just, they're talking about the memories, the fun times, the happy times. Something tells me, uh, the next generation seniors won't be talking about Instagram either. Yeah, I hope not. But we are moving towards a digital world. And um, according to Yuval, we're all going to turn into man gods and we're going to have technology incorporated into our bodies and uh, Nanorots, nanobots running around fixing us and healing us. And another book I read recently called Lifespan, we're actually potentially going to live forever. And uh, oh. Yuval talks about that as well. So here I am thinking I'm uh, going to live another 60 years. And, uh, and uh, he's talking about the wealthy are going to live a lot longer than that. There's going to be this divide between, you know, so which comes back to the money conversation but anyway i don't want to go off on a tangent on that one but um interesting stuff uh the future is going to be very different to the past but my hope is is that we will not lose sight of the value and the importance of those personal relationships with people that are close to us people that we love uh and and having an opportunity to get outside and enjoy the beauty around us that's my hope this kind of dovetails into the last question which is um, how do you want to be remembered 
Yeah, that's a great one. I, I use the same question with a lot of my clients. What do you want your epitaph to be? What do you want written on your tombstone, right? Uh, I think I'd like to be remembered as somebody, well, my why is to help leaders climb mountains, which is really a manifestation of what I do for work, which is, is as a business coach and as a maybe becoming a bit more of a life coach today. Um, but I think that how I would like to be remembered is somebody who uh, was always off on an adventure and uh, was, uh, if people wanted to come with me and join in and create memories with me, great. And if they didn't want to, uh, Chris was off on his own half the time because, uh, you know, I just, I'm not going to wait for other people to get on board. And so I think that, uh, I think I'd like to be remembered by somebody who never let anything get in his way in terms of going on another adventure. That's awesome. An, ad an adventure junkie. Adventure junkie. <laughs> Off creating new memories, exploring new places, and meeting and making new friends. That's beautiful. Just seeing an image of you like skiing and like traveling, doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I love doing stuff with other people. Um, however, there is also, uh, I'm not going to let other people not, you know, because if I wait for other people, then I'm not going to go out and just the example of going out for a hike in the snow on Wednesday night. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, don't let other people hold you back from what you want to do, whatever it is. And, and, and maybe that's another piece of it, right? Is, Chris was, he was off on an adventure, whether he was on his own or whether anyone else was going with him. He was just, he was pursuing his destiny and there was nothing was going to stop him. He knew what he was passionate about and he just went after it. Yeah. It's a good my message book, for others too. My book, which I'm writing is called The Art of Sending It. <laughs> I like it's that. How Sending to, it how to live a life of adventure while being a successful entrepreneur. And so I think the future for Gen Ys and Gen Zs and future generations is really figuring out the key to being able to live the life you want. And adventure can come in many forms, whether it's in business or climbing mountains or traveling or whatever it is, it's, it's painting. It could be whatever your sense of adventure is. So really living the life that you want to live uh, going on the adventures that you want to go on and figuring out a way to do what you're passionate about and fund the lifestyle that you want to live um, through figuring out that, that piece of how do I monetize some of the stuff I do so that I can put a roof over my head, put food on the table, satisfy my basic needs, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, so I can focus then on doing the things that I want to do um, to pursue, um, you know, worthwhile things in life, whether it's painting or whatever it is. Um, that's the, 
that's the formula, I guess, that we have the opportunity to develop for our own lives. And um, yeah, so that's that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm writing about is uh, and uh, my challenge to people is to uh, figure out how to, you know, get three months off a year and go on adventures and have a business that allows you to finance that and fund that uh, and and work with and help other people uh, who are in your sphere and in your world and to elevate the joy and the fun in people's lives. That's awesome. I'll definitely check that out. Um, where can people potentially find that in the future and where can people find uh, you, your services and, and find out how they can work with you or find out more about what you do? Yeah. My Chris Hardwick Inc is my website and uh, not Chris Hardwick, the comedian, um, uh, Chris Hardwick Inc. And uh, yeah, on um, that's probably it. And my book is going to be the art of sending it. So uh, it'll be the art of sending it.com. Once I get that up and running, uh, I've got to finish my book first. And then I'm, I'm in the process of building that into an on, online course, which is a nine step plan I've developed to uh, help people figure out how to turn their dream and their vision of their ideal life into a reality. And, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so that's coming. Stay tuned. That'll Stay be out tuned. next year. Check that out. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming off. Uh, coming on, Chris. Yeah, it's been fun, Maddie. I really enjoy this and, conversation. Uh, I love your artwork. Oh, thank you yeah. very much. Appreciate no, it. No, it's awesome because it looks like you've got big ears. I know. It's kind of looking at that. It looks like you got wings. Coming <laughs> <in my> head, <laughs> That's awesome. All righty, Maddie. Thanks. Have an awesome uh, rest of the week. Well, it's, it's Friday, right? So have an awesome weekend. You too. Have fun doing all the activities this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Thanks, man.